Let's take our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 this morning, please. Matthew chapter 7 will be in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, 12 is known as the golden rule. The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Just do it first. No. I mean, that's the motto I'd like to live by, but no. Uh, No, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Now, that is likely the most well-known and practiced standard of morality. According to the Deseret Marist Faith in America poll conducted in January of 2022, 88% of adults in the United States said that following the golden rule guided their careers. Of that 88%, 87% adults claim to follow the golden rule, practice no religion. Okay, So 87 of those 88% practice no religion. Uh, The poll divided equally amongst Democrats and Republicans. And here's what's even more stunning. Uh, Identical uh, uh, division between Christian and non-Christian. Okay, Now think about that. 87% said they follow the golden rule. Of those 87%, half were Christians, half were non-religious or non-Christians. And what's interesting in that poll is what I mentioned a moment ago that uh, 88 of that 87% claim to practice no actual religion. Now, what does that tell you about those identifying as Christian? They're Christian in name only. Okay? Christian in name only. But it's an interesting poll nonetheless to see that there's at least 87% of people in the country claiming some degree of morality. Now, though well-known in practice today, the golden rule was also widely known and practiced throughout history. The earliest recorded version of the Golden Rule was discovered in an ancient Egyptian story dating 1850 B.C. entitled The Eloquent Peasant. The Eloquent Peasant. It states, now this is the command, do to the doer to make him do. Do to the doer to make him do. Chinese philosopher Confucius, 551 to 479 B.C. said, do not to others what you would not wish done to yourself. Greek philosopher Plato, 420 to 347 B.C. said, May I be of sound mind and do to others as I would that they should do to me. Tobit, a 3rd century B.C. Jewish apocryphal writing says, What you hate, do not do to anyone. Tobit 415. Rabbi Hillel, 110 B.C. to 10 A.D. stated, What is hateful to you, to your fellow man, don't do. That's the entirety of the Torah. And so the golden rule is very well known across culture and throughout history. Now as Jesus brings the Sermon on the Mount to a close, he addresses the issue of the golden rule and the kingdom citizen in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. He says, in everything therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Hence, Jesus sets forth the golden rule as a conclusion, as a commandment, and as a commendation. He sets forth the golden rule as a conclusion, a commandment, and a commendation. Now, previously, Jesus has admonished us of what not to do towards others. We're not to unjustly hate others, we're not to lust after others, we're not to break our vows made to others, and we're not to retaliate against others. Matthew 5, 21 to 48. These prohibitions are, a negative, are, are the golden rule in negative form. 
In its negative forms, kingdom citizens can fulfill the golden rule simply by not doing something. But they can fulfill the golden rule by not being hateful, by not lusting, by not breaking vows, by not retaliating. But the golden rule states positively how we are to treat others. And so what I say is that we should rename these negative prohibitions for treating others as the silver rule. Okay, so we've got the golden rule, we've got the silver rule. The silver rule negatively prohibits us from certain practices towards others. But the golden rule positively moves us as believers to action on behalf of others. Now uniquely, all the forms and variations of the golden rule have the negative until we come to Scripture. The scripture sets forth the golden rule in a positive proposition. You see, when we negatively follow it, when we, do, when we don't do all the things we shouldn't do to others, it results in righteousness. But when I positively do certain things for others, it results in kindness. And as Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Now, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, the golden rule. It is first a conclusion. A conclusion. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Notice the word, therefore. The term, therefore, un, is a conjunction of logical inference. In other words, verse 12, the golden rule, is the conclusion of what has been previously stated. As a conclusory statement to all that Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount, the golden rule demonstrates that the behavior required of us as kingdom citizens is not to be adopted to improve ourselves, but rather we adopt these behaviors as a means of bettering others. Now how can others benefit from believers being poor in spirit, mournful, gentle, hungry, thirsty for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemaking, and persecuted yet joyful. How can others benefit from us being salt and light? How can others benefit when we are not unjustly angry with them? How can others benefit when we're not lusting after them? How can others benefit when we keep our vows? How can others benefit when we conform to these behaviors? It behooves us to think through those questions. It behooves us not only to think through those, but to adopt these prohibitions and admonishments about others. Now more specifically, the golden rule is a conclusory statement about judging and giving. In Matthew 7, 1-6, Jesus admonished us to judge others righteously and not hypocritically. Then in Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11, he admonished believers to be persistent in prayer because your Father who is in heaven gives what is good to those who ask him. Hence, we are to judge as God judges and give good things to those who ask of us. As Paul exhorts the Ephesians in Ephesians 5, 1, be imitators of God. In other words, judge as God judges and give as God gives. Now the golden rule is built upon the principle 
of giving to others the way God gives, not how others have given to us. We give to others not on the basis of what they've given to us, but of what God has given. And according to James chapter 1 and verse 5, God gives to all generously and without reproach. You know, the golden rule is also built upon another principle. You reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7. Whatever a man sows, this will he reap. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. He exhorted the Corinthian believers. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Friends, if we, have, if we pray to God and we say, God, I need mercy, and yet we show no mercy, who are we then to expect God to give us mercy? Previously, Jesus commanded us in Matthew 5, 42, Give of him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, or excuse me, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke 6, Jesus places the golden rule, treat others as you would have them to treat you, he places that right after, give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. In other words, his point there is, if you do not give to others when asked, God will not give to you when asked. If we turn our backs on someone in need, then expect God to turn your back, his back on you. Paul warned the Ephesians in Ephesians 6.18, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Additionally, in Ephesians 4.32, Paul said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's the golden rule in action. That's the golden rule in action. Give to others what has been given to yourself. And give to others the way God has given to you. Now we can determine whether something is good and beneficial for someone else if we would want to receive that ourselves. Okay? And who doesn't want kindness, compassion, and forgiveness? So the golden rule is a conclusion. But the golden rule is also a commandment. Matthew 7, 12. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Again, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. The golden rule is not only a conclusion, it's a commandment. In everything, he says, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Now, there's two parts to this command. There's two parts. There's the order and there's the regulation. The order and the regulation. The order is this way. Treat people. That's the command. The verb treat, poieo, is an imperative meaning to perform a course of action, to behave in a certain way. So the crux of the command involves an action or a behavior demonstrated towards others. And note also the command has a broad range. It says, in everything. In other words, in any situation where we are tempted to mistreat someone, the golden rule should be our conscience and guide. We have to ask, when dealing with people, when dealing with issues, is the golden rule guiding us? We must be sure that in every situation we're filtering it through what? The golden rule. 
Now, doesn't mean we do that, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's the command. That's why he's giving us this command. Now, if you're sitting there and thinking, well, boy, if so-and-so would follow this command, my life would be so much easier. Then I've got news for you. You missed the point of the golden rule. If you're listening to this rule, if you're listening to this sermon, your, your thought process is, well, if so-and-so listened to this, if so-and-so would do this, you missed the point. You treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Dr. Frank Crane, a Presbyterian minister of the late 19th century, once said this, the golden rules of no use to you, whatever, unless you realize that, that it's your move. It's a coming on you. See, the order here of the golden rule confronts our selfishness and demands that it be put to death. Now, you may be thinking, well, I don't struggle with selfishness. Well, I say to you, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Listen, we all struggle with selfishness. You know, why do we get unjustly angry? Well, the honest answer is because we love ourselves more than others. Why do we lust for what we cannot have? Because we love ourselves more than others. Why do we demand our rights? Because we love ourselves more than others. You see, we're so filled with the world's philosophy. And the world's philosophy is, says, you need to love yourself more. But the Bible says something different. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 3 to 4, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard each other as more important than yourself. Do not merely look on your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. So that's the order. Treat others. Now look at the regulation of that order. The same way you want them to treat you. Now there's three principles right here, folks. Three principles for how kingdom citizens are to act and behave towards others. Number one, we must not only do to others what we, excuse me, we must only do to others what we would acknowledge being reasonable for ourselves. Okay? We only do to others what we acknowledge as being reasonable for ourselves. Two, we must hold others to the same standard we hold ourselves. We must hold others to the same standard we hold ourselves. And third, we must consider how we would act if in the same situation or circumstance as others. Again, we have to consider how we would act if we were in the same situation or circumstance as the other person. So we summarize the golden rule this way. It's not treating others according to how we are treated, but how we desire to be treated. Now right at the heart of the golden rule here is Leviticus 19.18. Leviticus 19.18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The way someone loves themselves here should be the standard for how we love others. It's all about self-love. Self-love means taking action concerning your welfare. It means going beyond caring for your basic needs. If you love yourself, well, then you want to meet your wants and desires. You see, the same degree of love that you have for yourself in caring for your welfare and pursuing your wants and desires is the same love we're supposed to have towards others. Loving others the same way we love ourselves requires then being selfless 
In other words, folks, we've got to see others, we've got to love others the way we see and love ourselves if we're going to practice the golden rule. Now, the golden rule, as a command, should also be the guiding principle for dealing with others on issues where Scripture does not provide a specific precept, principle, or position. So if there is no clear biblical precept, no biblical principle, no biblical position, here are some guiding principles, the golden rule. Now what is a precept? A precept is a clearly delineated command, statute, or rule. Okay. A clearly delineated command, statute, or rule. A principle. A principle is a general guideline drawn from the experience of a biblical character or narrative. Okay? A principle is a general guideline usually drawn from the experience of a biblical character or narrative. And then a position is an orthodox doctrine or established teaching of Scripture. It's an orthodox doctrine or established teaching of Scripture. Let me give you some examples. Would the golden rule apply in a case where someone is caught stealing? No. Why? Exodus 20 verse 15. You shall not steal. Clear precept. Consider this. Would the golden rule apply when someone is abusing their body? You know, someone that's abusing their body, what do you do? Well, the golden rule doesn't apply there because we have a principle, a biblical principle. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. That's a general principle. Here's another one. Would the golden rule apply in a circumstance where someone denies the resurrection of Christ? The answer is no. Because Christ's resurrection is a clear, fundamental position. Romans 9, 34. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. There are many issues where the clear biblical precepts, principle, and positions dictate what to do. But there are just as many issues that have no clear precept, no clear principle, no clear position. Such as Bible translations, food, hobbies, holidays, social media, tattoos even. All issues that there is no clear Bible verse that gives you a precept, a principle, or position. And in those areas, every one of us has an opinion. And I'm sure somebody sitting here right now has an opinion about one of those things I just said. Listen, don't waste your time and share it with me on the way out the door. I'm not interested because it's your opinion. I have my opinions, okay? And every one of us thinks our opinion is correct. But again... If there's no clear biblical precept, principle, or position, there has to be forbearance of other people's opinions. We must adhere to the golden rule. 
treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Now, Romans 14 and 15. And if you'd like to turn there, that'd be great. Romans chapter 14 and 15. We're going to look through some scriptures here. Where Paul applied the golden rule and called for forbearance of one another, especially in the realm of differing opinions or viewpoints. When dealing with differing opinions or viewpoints, again, we've got to follow the golden rule. Treat others the way you would want them to treat you. Now, in this text, Romans 14 to 15, some people in the church thought they could eat anything. And others were strictly vegetarian. Now, believe me, I have an opinion on this. Paul says, you got two opposing viewpoints. Verse 3, Romans 14, 3. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who do, does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Listen, whether you're a carnivore or a meat eater, or you're a vegetarian, guess what? We're not to have contempt for one another. We're not to look down at one another. We may not understand. I don't. But God accepts each of us. Here's another example. Holidays and holy days. Holidays and holy days. Okay, we have cultural holidays. We have religious holy days. Paul says in Romans 14, 5, One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Heard somebody say, a Christian should never celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Precept, principle, or position, please. There is none. It's a cultural holiday. If you want to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, be my guest. That's your opinion. Now, that doesn't mean I'm encouraging you to imbibe yourself in all the carousing and so forth that some may do. But that doesn't stop you from participating. If, if, if you want to celebrate Passover, go celebrate Passover. Again, we can have differing opinions on these things. But if you're convinced in your own mind, God says, that settles the issue. Now I want to take time here to go through Romans 14 and 15. And I want to give you a nine-point framework. A nine-point framework for practicing the golden rules in areas where there lacks a clear biblical precept, principle, or position. Nine statements I'm going to give you. When you're dealing with an issue where there is not a clear biblical precept, biblical principle, or biblical position. Number one. Believers are free to form their own opinions on non-essentials. Okay, friends, we are free to form our own opinions on non-essentials. Let's look at Romans 14, verse 2 and verse 5. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own 
mind. Number one, believers are free to form their own opinions on non-essentials. Okay? Number two, disagreements over non-essentials are not the grounds for fighting with one another. Disagreements over non-essentials are not grounds for fighting with one another. You know, I, I, most church fights are over non-essentials. Okay? How many churches that you hear the horror stories where they split over the color of carpet? Really? You know? I mean, I could see splitting over doctrine, you know. A uh, group doesn't believe in the resurrection of Christ? Yeah, we got a problem. Color of carpet? Nah. Read Romans 14. Let's look at verse 1. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Again, we're going to disagree on a lot of non-essentials, but it's not the grounds for fighting with one another. Number three, disagreements over non-essentials are not grounds for having contempt towards one another. Disagreement over non-essentials are not grounds for having contempt towards one another. Romans 14, 3. The one who eats meat is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat meat. And the one who does not eat meat is not to judge the one who eats meat. For God has accepted him. Okay? Okay? God has accepted We're not to have contempt. Listen, I, there's a lot of people that have opinions. I have opinions. I'm sure you don't like my opinion, and I'm sure I don't like some of your opinions. That's okay. <laughs> because they're not grounds for having contempt towards one another. Number four. Disagreements over non-essentials are not grounds for passing judgment against one another. <clears throat> Disagreements over non-essentials are not grounds for passing judgments against one another. Look at verse 4 of Romans 14. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. He will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Again, we're not supposed to be passing judgments over non-essentials. Okay? Well, my opinion is da 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 and I think he's stupid. Okay? But that's passing a judgment on a non-essential, and we're not to do it. Number five. Believers' opinions on non-essentials, though different, can all bring glory to God as long as their motives are pure. I'll say it again. Our opinions on non-essentials, though different, can all bring glory to God as long as our motives are pure. There's the key, pure motives. You know, if this guy decides to be a mediator and this guy wants to be a vegetarian, listen, as long as their motives are pure, they got their own opinions, let God be glorified. Let's read Romans chapter 14, verses 6 to 9. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who doesn't eat for the Lord, he doesn't eat. And gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for ourselves. Not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again that he might, be both, he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Number six. Number six. We must consider how will, we will be judged before passing judgment on others on non-essential items or issues. Again, believers must consider how they'll be judged before passing judgment on others for non-essential issues. Let's look at verses 10 to 12. But you... Why do you judge your brother? Or are you again? Why do you regard your brother with contempt? 
For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to God, so that each one of us will give an account to himself, of himself to God. Number seven. Number seven. Believers' opinions on non-essentials should not become stumbling blocks to others. Your opinion on non-essentials should not become stumbling blocks to others. Romans 14, verse 13. Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Okay? Your personal opinion, your personal issue shouldn't be a stumbling block. And my friend, let me say this on the flip side of that. If you have a differing opinion with somebody, you shouldn't try to create a stumbling block either. Okay. Number eight. Believers must not tear down one another over non-essentials, but build up one another. We must not tear down one another over non-essentials, but build up one another. Romans chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. We pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God. Chapter 15 and verse 2. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. And number nine. Number nine. Believers must accept others the same way Christ accepted them. We must accept others just as Christ also accepted us. Look at verse 7 of Romans 15. Therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Now folks, if we follow this nine point framework, we will find ourselves when we're confronted with those issues in following or obeying the golden rule. It will guard us against making false accusations. It will guard us against presumptions. It will guard us against insult insulting statements. It will guard us against gossip and slander. Now, when we obey the command to treat others the same way, it's going to equip us to actively engage in demonstrating grace and mercy. And furthermore, by heeding the command to treat others the same way we treat ourselves, we've now developed an ethical approach to problems that are going to arise between us over non-essential issues. Okay? So we have a conclusion. The golden rule sums up everything Jesus has previously stated. We have a commandment on how to treat others. And finally, we have a commendation. We have a commendation. Again, verse 12. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Here's the commendation. This is... The law and the prophets. Now that word this, hutas, it's a demonstrative pronoun referring back to the golden rule. The golden rule is the law and the prophets. The golden rule is not some new revelation. It's clearly taught in the law and the prophets. It's the summation of the law and the prophets. Now what is the law? The law typically refers to the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Generally, though, when we hear the term law, it applies to the entirety of the Hebrew Scriptures. The prophets refers to the historical books, the twelve minor prophets, the five major prophets. 
But when those two terms are enjoined together, the law and the prophets, it is a standard designation for the Hebrew Scriptures. And so when Jesus declares, this is the law and the prophets, he places his authenticity, he places his authority on the Hebrew Scriptures, on the golden rule. Now earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus declared back in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, Do not think that I am come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Again, Matthew 5, 17. What's it say there? He did not come to abolish the Hebrew Scriptures. The word abolish, kataluo, means that he did not come to invalidate something that had been in force. He didn't come to invalidate the law and the prophets. Now, many of you perhaps are sitting here and thinking, well, wait a minute, Pastor, what about Romans 10.4? Christ is the end of the law. There you go. He must have ended the law. Listen, stop being an armchair theologian. Stop being lazy and not studying the Scriptures. But that's what it says. I understand that's what it says in English. Take out a Vines Concordance. Get a Strong's Concordance. Take a moment. Take five minutes. Look up the word end. And it doesn't mean to finish. It means to, the, to, to reach the intended goal. So when it says that Christ is the end of the law, the Greek word there, teleos, we've seen that word several times in our study of James and Peter. The word teleos means that Christ is not the termination of the law. Christ is the intended goal of the law. Didn't Jesus himself say what? Moses and the prophets, they what? Wrote of me. They spoke of me. I'm the goal. This is what it's all about. Me. Now again, Jesus reiterates. I did not come to abolish. Again, kataluo. I came rather to fulfill the law and the prophets. The word fulfill, plurao, does not mean to bring to an end. Instead, it means to proclaim completely. That means that Jesus came to complete God's revelation to us, to humanity. Jesus did do that. He perfected the revelation of God's will. And so when we look at the Hebrew Scriptures, they are the foundation upon which we build our faith in the New Testament. Again, the verb fulfill, plurao means to proclaim completely or to provide fully. In the Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, it says this, that fulfill means to give the true or complete meaning of something, to provide the real significance of. Strong's Concordance also says that the word fulfill means to cause God's will as made known in the law to be obeyed as it should be, and God's promises given through the prophets to receive fulfillment. In other words, Jesus came to reveal the true meaning and real significance of God's law. And we're seeing that here in chapter 7, verse 12. In Matthew 5.18, Jesus emphasized the permanence of the law. I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Truly, I say. That word truly, it's our word amen. It means what he said is true. 
Basically, Jesus says here to us, you may not think that I meant what I just said, but I do. And furthermore, he confirms the truthfulness when he says, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law. That word pass, perikamai, means to cease to exist or to pass out of use. Nothing from the holy writ is going to pass out of use until all is accomplished. That's a reference. Until all is accomplished is a reference to the prophecies, particularly the prophecy of the renewed heaven and earth. He says, until heaven and earth pass away. Okay? Until heaven and earth pass away. Now, that prophecy is first found in Isaiah 65 and verse 17. Behold, I create a new heaven and earth. In other words, Jesus says uh, that God's law and indeed all of the scripture will continue to be relevant It will continue to be enforced until the end of time as it is currently known. Now you perhaps you're thinking ahead and you're saying, well now wait a minute pastor, does that mean that God's law, does that mean that the scripture will cease in the renewed heaven and earth? No, it doesn't mean that. Jesus makes that statement to demonstrate that listen, it's enforced until the end of time. What happens at the end of time? Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. His word endures. So what does King Jesus say here about his law? Well, he says that it's still valid. It's still operational. He did not annul it. He didn't abolish it. He elevates it to its proper place, the place he originally intended. The law was intended to be how you and I imitate God's holiness and righteousness. Now, returning now to verse 12, Jesus commends the golden rule to us as his kingdom citizens because it is the law and the prophets. That's where it's taught. There are many examples in the law and the prophets. There's many applications in the Old Testament scriptures of the golden rule. In fact, the golden rule is the embodiment of the second half of the Ten Commandments, the laws that dictate human relationships. Honor your father and mother. Okay? Treat your mother and father the way you'd want to be treated. Okay? Uh, don't murder. Don't kill anybody unless you want to be killed. Do not commit adultery unless you want somebody to commit adultery on you. Don't steal unless you want somebody to steal from you. Don't bear false witness unless you want false witness more against you. Don't covet unless you want somebody to covet from you. Now Leviticus 19.18, which is the royal law, sums up the golden rule. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, according to Jesus, this golden rule, this royal law, is second only to loving God. Remember when he was asked what the greatest command was? What did he say? He said in Mark 12, 28, Foremost command is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The golden rule, treat others you want to be treated, love your neighbor as yourself, is the one of the two greatest commandments ever given. Now the disciples took Jesus' word here to heart regarding the golden rule. Sixty years later, the early church summed up the Christian life as loving God and others. And after that, 
They define loving others as implementing the golden rule. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, we have the Didache, the writings of the apostles. Dates around 90 AD. According to the very first verse of the Didache, Didache 1.1, listen to this. This is what they wrote. The way of life then is this. First, here's your first duty as a Christian. Love God who made you. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. And all things whatever you would should not occur to you, you also to another do not do. There's the golden rule. Interestingly, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do to you, is the ethics behind the law of retaliation. As we have stated in Exodus 1, 23-25, you shall appoint a penalty, life for life. You take a life, your life is gone. An eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. You see, under God's law, if someone intentionally murdered someone, they'd be put to death. Numbers 35, 16-18 says this, If he strikes him down with an iron object or with a stone or with a wooden object so that he dies, he is a murderer and the murderer shall surely be put to death. In Judges chapter 1 and verse 7, God judged Adonizabedek with the same evil that he had done. Listen to what Adonizabedek said. Seventy kings with their thumbs and their big toes I cut off. As I have done, God has repaid to me. In Judges 5.11, Samson told his Philistine oppressors, As they did to me, so I did to them. And I think we would do well to heed the warning of Proverbs 24.29. Do not say, Thus shall I do to him as he has done to me. I will render to man according to his work. We need to tread carefully, folks, in our response and reactions. Because we will sow what we reap. Friends, we are morally responsible as kingdom citizens to consider how we treat others, how we judge others, how we give to others. We have a rule to live by here. And that rule is the golden rule. This is the law of love in action. It's not enough for us to merely love others as we love ourselves. No, Jesus is up the ante. In John 13, 34, love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That's now the new standard. It's not enough just to love as we love ourselves. Now we've got to love others in the same way Jesus loves them. So in dealing with other kingdom citizens, we're going to be confronted with issues. And so often those issues are not going to have a clear biblical precept or principle or position. In such cases, we go to the golden rule. We examine those issues from the perspective of the other person. And let me rehearse those nine points again with you. Number one, believers are free to form their own opinions on non-essentials. Two, disagreements over non-essentials are not grounds for fighting with one another. Three, disagreements over non-essentials are not grounds for having contempt towards one another. Number four, disagreement over non-essentials are not grounds for passing judgments against one another. Number five, believers' opinions on non-essentials, though different, can all bring glory to God as long as their motives are pure. Number six, believers must consider how they will be judged before passing judgment on others for non-essential issues. Number seven, believers' opinions on non-essentials should not become stumbling blocks to others. Number eight, believers must not tear down one another over non-essentials, but build up one another. And number nine, Believers must accept others in the same way Christ accepted them. 
In the words of Jesus, in everything, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to you, we come on the basis of what Jesus did for us. We come to you, the one who judges righteously, the one who gives generously and abundantly. We come to you, Father, as citizens of your kingdom, asking you to help us through your spirit to live by the golden rule. Father, we confess that sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we treat others based on how they've treated us. And so, Father, we ask that you would forgive us. We pray that you'd keep us from the desire to seek revenge or to retaliate. But instead, Father, that we would look to you and to judge righteously and not hypocritically. So to you, Father, we give all the praise, we give all the glory, and to this we say, Amen.